Stan Lee calls him superhuman. And when the creator of Spider-Man and Iron Man says something like that about you, well, you know you must be pretty special. Dean Karnazes joins us on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science. And it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings. Welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I am your host, J.R. Houston. Thrilled that you are joining us again, wherever you are in the world. However you may be listening, we appreciate you making us a part of your day. Now, that's something that I say on this podcast each and every week, along with we'd love to hear from you by sending us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. And this past week, we heard from somebody in the UK who listens each and every week. We heard from Marvering Cole, who is a news anchor and TV host for many, many years in the UK, including stops at Sky News and BBC Radio. She wrote to us saying, Hi guys, I'm a UK news anchor and TV host of many years. I'm just about to start recording and distributing my own podcast, and today I found yours. I just need to say, I love it. I was driven by a desire to find a good and motivating listen. I was feeling sad most mornings after waking up and catching up on the news via my regular apps. I needed to make a positive change for my mental attitude and find something to listen to that would boost my senses. You guys do that. Thanks so much. Best wishes, Marvering. Well, hopefully that didn't sound too much like Casey Kasem reading a long-distance dedication, but we are very dedicated to bringing you messages of happiness and positivity over great distances, like, for instance, between the United States and the United Kingdom. Marvering, we are so thrilled that you are listening to the podcast, and we are frankly flattered that someone with your broadcasting experience likes what we are doing here, and we appreciate you tuning in. And Hey, feel free to send us another message when you get your podcast up and going. We would love to hear it, as I'm sure our listeners would as well. Well, this episode of this podcast is one of my favorite conversations we've ever had. Time Magazine named our guest one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. Men's Fitness hailed him as one of the fittest men on the planet. You're going to find out why here in a minute. He's an acclaimed endurance athlete and New York Times bestselling author. Dean Carnazes has pushed his body and mind to inconceivable limits. Well, Dean, we are very pleased to have you uh, with us today. I've got uh, a copy of the book right here. You've obviously completed this run. So what have you been doing uh, this year? Are you swimming across several oceans, or, or what have you been up to lately? <laughs> no, I've just been uh, sitting on the couch drinking beer and eating pizza. That's a good, that's, well, <laughs> meanwhile, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to feel much worse about my nightly activity. Uh, anyway, uh, well, what have you been up to, though? Well, I, you know, I, I, if I was to tell you what I did just this very year, it's bewildering. Every time I think that my life's going to slow down, I get these invitations to do amazing things, and I, I'm very bad at saying no. So I started, you know, I probably have run a dozen marathons this year. Oh, my goodness. Um, including, you know, just a couple of days ago finishing the New York City Marathon. Uh, I ran Earlier this year in uh, February, I ran across Haiti. Oh, wow. I did a charity run across Haiti. 
Um, I also did uh, in July. I was asked by the uh, the U.S. State Department to be uh, an athlete ambassador and to oh, go wow. on a, a sports envoy to Central Asia. So I ran across um, Central Asia uh, through Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, and Kazakhstan to celebrate uh, 25 years of diplomatic relations with the U.S. Wow. And that was uh, 525 kilometers. I bet that was an incredible experience getting to represent your country. Because the Spartathlon, let's, it's, it's very cool, but it's not something that uh, has become an Olympic sport. But this is a cool chance for you to uh, represent your country. What, what was that feeling like, the chance to, to uh, step forth and, and be a representative? It was remarkable. I mean, you know, when, when John Kerry's office calls you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty high calling. And it was it was actually the most successful um, sports envoy program they they put on to date uh, ever, and which is you know incredible to think of because you know they send marquee athletes all around the globe. Uh, for instance, when I was um, running across the ancient Silk Road in, in Central Asia, um, you know, Shaq was doing an exhibition basketball game in oh, wow. uh, in Cuba. So they use sports to uh, to build diplomatic relations, and I think, as we know, running is a very powerful way to bring people together. Yeah. And so uh, it was a very successful program, and we're going to uh, continue that uh, on into 2017. Well, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that, that running is a way to bring people together, because one thing we talk about uh, a lot is, is having community and having connections and having relationships and, and those sorts of things. And the running community, uh, I mean, people who are really into it and they go around and it's it's like uh, you, know, you just mentioned being in the New York Marathon and, and a lot of people that are running in that one, well, they're also going to be in Minneapolis or they're also going to be running in one in Kansas City or, or Denver or where have you. And uh, they, you kind of create that community of folks that you see at all of these things, I would imagine. Is that right? That's absolutely right. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about my life, which I'm so blessed, is that I've become kind of a conduit between different runners because of, mm. of my books. I've got to admit, people read my books, and so I'm kind of a known um, entity amongst a lot of runners. And so... I see people in Chicago and New York, you know, in um, in Portland, wherever I go, people know of me or know me, and and I have a big following. So it's like a it's like a reunion when I go to these events. That'd be a lot of fun. The Road to Sparta is uh, the new book, and uh, this is uh, inspired by the ancient uh, battle and epic run that inspired the world's greatest foot race, 153 miles from Athens to Sparta. You yourself are of are of Greek ancestry. Was that something that uh, played into your uh, thought process and forming the goal of completing this run? Uh, very much so. I you know I wanted to learn the history of the marathon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being a marathoner myself, and you know, there's uh, this year more than half a million people in the U.S. will complete a marathon. Um, I wanted to learn you know the origins and the evolution of of this modern marathon. So. I had to start 2,500 years ago in ancient <laughs> Greece. And, um, you know, writing this book to me was, was really a journey, and it tested me in a lot of ways in that uh, I'm a sports writer. And here is a historical book, as you know. Mm-hmm. So I had to work with um, uh, historians and, and authorities in ancient Greek culture. And to me, that was, um, you know, something I'd never done before and very fascinating. And I learned I learned a whole lot about ancient Greece and about myself in the process. 
And as we uh, step into your journey and talk a little bit about uh, the resilience that you had to show to complete a run like this, can you tell us a little bit uh, more? Uh, it doesn't have to be in detail, but just sort of the uh, brief Cliff Notes version of of this particular run. It's uh, like I said, 153 miles from Athens to Sparta. Who made it and why? <laughs> well, you know the, the legend where you know the well worn legend we hear, um, you know, about the marathon is that uh, someone by the name of Phidippides or Phidippides ran from the Battle of Marathon to the uh, Acropolis um, after the the Greeks somehow defeated the uh, the Persians, and he ran 26.2 miles and proclaimed Nike, Nike, or Nike, Nike, uh, which means victory, victory, we are victorious, and, and then he died. <laughs> yeah, which is a glorious ending. Uh, but the the real story is that uh, before he did this final twenty six point two mile run, he actually ran from Athens to Sparta, which is uh, about one hundred and fifty three miles away. So he ran to recruit the Spartans into battle with the Athenians because the Spartans were a fierce force. Um, you know, if you've seen the movie Three Hundred, you know how how uh, yes. tough the Spartans were. And and so the the Spartathlon is a recreation of this ancient um, undertaking that Phidippides did of running 130 153 miles from from Athens to to Sparta, and that's the race I I partook in that I write about in the book. So this this particular race, obviously, it's it's an insanely long race. I mean, I've got friends that are just recently getting into marathon and distance running, and they're training for like half marathons. And the the work that you have to do to train for a half marathon, let alone a full marathon, let alone a hundred and fifty three mile race, is incredible and grueling. What did you have to do to prepare yourself for a race like this? Well, I ran a lot of marathons as training runs. <laughs> so, you know, some weekends I would run a marathon on Saturday and turn around and run a marathon on Sunday. I'd run ultra marathons, you know, 50 or 100 kilometer races as training runs. On a few occasions, um, you know, I had my wife, uh, I'll never forget, coming home one, uh, one, one afternoon. I said, you know, why don't you just drop me off here? And we were about 80 miles from my house. We were coming back from a, a, a trip down to see um, my daughter. And she said, you're going to run home from here? I, I thought, you know, what a great training run. So I, I ran all night, um, 80 miles, as a training run. Oh, jeez. And I know, you know, this, these things to me are just commonplace. And I know to a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, what? I, I'm 80 th miles as a training run? I'm thinking no, I don't I, like driving 80 miles. How are you <laughs> running 80 miles just for training? <laughs> Well, I mean, I knew that I, the conquest ahead was that I had to run, the reality is I had to run 153 miles, mm -hmm. and not only did I have to run that distance, um, there's strict cutoff times to um, with the Spartathlon so that the, the race is uh, in accordance with the ancient record, oh. which said that Phidippides uh, reached Sparta the day after setting out, which can be interpreted as 36 hours. So you must complete this 153-mile grueling run, you know, in, in the southern Mediterranean heat and over mountains uh, in Greece in, in sub-36 hours to, to finish this race. Oh, my goodness. So it's, it, do they do it like a, a golf tournament where you, you like, if at, at a certain split, if you're not here, you're just done? Or, or how does that work? That's exactly how they do it. So you have to be in. Uh, you have to be. You have to make it from Athens to Corinth, for instance, which is fifty point two two miles away, within nine and a half hours. If you don't oh, make wow. it in nine, that's basically two marathons back to back. Again, in very very difficult conditions, in sub nine and a half hours, 
if you don't make it in nine and a half hours, you're you're eliminated. And the thing is, you don't want to get there anywhere close to nine and a half hours because these these time cutoffs get more and more grueling and intense as the race progresses. So you want to sure. get there with at least you know an hour of buffer uh, on this time cutoff. And so that's one of the reasons the race is, is just so daunting, and only about a third of the finish uh, the starters actually finish, even though it's an elite field. I, I would imagine it would have to be for anyone to even want to undertake that task. It's not going to be, you know, a guy like me who might uh, occasionally, if he can get motivated, run around the block. Uh, <laughs> as you're making this journey uh, over the course of 36 hours, what were some of the, the things that you had to overcome? And did any of them make you think, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Yeah, there were there were many uh, trials and tribulations along the way, uh, including you know vivid hallucinations. Uh, mm. I actually found myself sleep running, so falling asleep while I was running. Um, you know, I had a what I think was an out of body experience. I mean, I, I I had the vision of a runner, kind of down below me, and oh. I realized, hold it, that's me down there. <laughs> oh man! So I mean, I really really pushed myself, and I, you know, to be honest, it was. You know the the presence of mind kind of slips away when you uh, when you're doing. I mean, imagine running six marathons back to back. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for a lot of people, one marathon is is daunting and you know kind of renders them a bit senseless, if you will. Yeah. And you know, this is six marathons back to back at a very grueling pace. And I mean, yeah, you're, you're mentioning. I mean, what, even one marathon. I, I've seen lots of coverage of 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 the Boston Marathon and, and others, but particularly the Boston one I've seen where people are coming in where their their shirt has rubbed their chest raw and uh, they've you know lost control of, of certain functions and it's affected them and, and they fall over immediately after crossing the, the finish line. I can only imagine how many times through the race you thought, th- th- this is it. And then you, what what in your mind pushes you to keep going? you've got to dig really, really deep. And, you know, you have, you have to want it. You have to want to cross that finish line. You have to do everything you can uh, to get there. I mean, the Spartathlon, it just it requires that you give yourself up to it. It commands every molecule in your body to be just, you know, having a singularity of focus to reach the finish line. You you cannot have any sort of extraneous thoughts. I mean, you can't you can't wander. It, you you won't make it. It's it's that daunting of an undertaking. I can't imagine taking on an undertaking like this uh, that is so daunting, and not coming out of it with almost a spiritual type experience. You mentioned an out of body experience. What ways has this changed? Maybe your view on well, I guess anything has it has it has it at all. Oh yeah, I mean it, it certainly has expanded my uh, my uh, perspective on what is and what isn't possible. You know, if someone yeah. had said to me before I started doing this, you know, that a human being could run more than a hundred continuous miles without stopping, I would have thought that's impossible. I mean, there's there's got to be some sort of trickery. I mean, how, how I, I like you said, I can't. I I don't like driving a hundred miles nonstop. How can a human run that far? And then to go out and actually do it. You prove to yourself that you're better than you think you are, and you can go further than you think you can. It just, it just obliterates boundaries, not just in running, but in you know in other aspects of your life as well. That's what I was going to ask: is if this this resilience uh, and this 
this singular focus on the task at hand, uh, if there's been ways that you've applied this uh, to your own life since uh, completing the run? Well, I mean, just certainly even writing the the book itself. I mean, this is my fourth book. And I mean, I always say, you know, uh, writing a book is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Sure. Um, You know, it takes such discipline to complete a book. And I have such admiration for anyone who authors a book because it just requires, again, that sort of that focus and and that willingness to blank out, um, you know, extraneous thoughts and extraneous noise and just um, do the best job you can with the task at hand. We're talking with uh, uh, Dean Carnazes, who wrote the, uh, wrote the book, The Road to Sparta, Reliving the Ancient Battle, an epic run that inspired the world's greatest foot race. And uh, you're also a New York Times bestselling author of uh, Ultra Marathon Man, and you were featured on uh, Stan Lee's Superhumans, and I'm beginning to really understand why, uh, because this is, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is an incredible, incredible story and an incredible journey you went on. And uh, would you say that this is because there's not a lot of people, let's be honest, that are probably going to try to go out there and just recreate this for themselves. Is this the type of book that you feel people can uh, glean that 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 experience that you had and be able to apply it to their own lives? Yeah, absolutely. And that that's kind of how I wrote this book, that it's it's approachable, even though. What I'm doing is most likely not approachable to most people. Most people will never run 153 miles in their life continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that wasn't the point of this book. The point of this book was to kind of convey some of the lessons I've learned through doing these sort of things that people can apply to their own lives. And also as well as some education and, some, you know, and, and hopefully some enjoyment in reading it. Um, and learning about you know ancient Greek history, you know the the Battle of Marathon really preserved democracy, and yeah. just, you know just having gone through <laughs> an election, um, yes, you know we we know that democracy, you know regardless of the outcome, is something we all cherish, and you know Western thought and the you know the the liberalization of of Western culture was based on ancient Greece, and had the Persians, you know. It, defeated the Athenians, you know, had Pheidippides not run to Sparta and made his journey, you know, the course of, of, of history would have been um, inexorably altered. Yeah, I, without question. Uh, and and to make that connection to something greater than yourself, I think, and especially, I mean, you've, you've, you've got the Greek heritage, but you're, you're an athlete, you're, you're a writer, you're a sports fan, you're a sports participant, uh, and, and you're someone who's interested in history. To make that sort of, of human connection must have, have left you uh, somewhat uplifted, if not completely uplifted as well. It, well, it did. And, you know, the, the, the book it clearly is not just about running. It's about right. Um, you know, it's about finding your identity. I mean, it was it was as much of an inward journey as an outward journey for me. I learned about my heritage. I learned more about where I came from. I learned about myself and my family. And I think a lot of people are interested these days in learning more about their heritage. And I hope it encourages people, um, you know, to to look into where they came from and what they're about and how they became who they are. And that's a, a lot about what this book is telling. 
I think what you're what you're doing here is encouraging me as a German person to eat a lot of sausage and drink a lot of beer <laughs> to celebrate my heritage. You can run the 153 mile races, and I'll go to every Oktoberfest I can find. Uh, well, I'll eat a lot of baklava and uh, and have a lot of have a lot of ouzo and rocky. Oh, that yeah. sounds delicious as well. Oh man! Well, thank you so much for taking some time out. It's 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 an impressive book, an impressive uh, journey that that people can take with you uh, by reading this book. And uh, we're going to give uh, a link where folks can buy it. But uh, if someone's kind of on the fence, who do you think would be uh, someone who would really enjoy this book that might not expect to? You know, I mean, obviously, I think any runner is going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I think um, anyone, anyone else who's is interested in learning about how to move beyond their comfort zone, how to deal with adversity and overcome, you know, situations where they thought they couldn't persist. So it's it's a gritty book. It, <laughs> you know, it's not always pretty. Sure. Uh, but I think that uh, anyone anyone who reads it will learn lessons that apply uh, to life, not just running. Well, Dean, thank you again so much for being here, and uh, we I look forward to actually being able to pour over this book much more closely and uh, and hopefully learn uh, as, as much uh, from the book as I felt like we learned from this interview today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me run by. And if you would like to purchase a copy of The Road to Sparta or download a free sketch note of this episode, go to livehappynow.com. And don't forget to join us next week as we're going to be joined by Jessica Ravello, CEO of one of the happiest places to work. And she shares how you can help achieve happiness in your workplace. Another great conversation. In the meantime, we would like to hear from you, just like we heard from our friend Marvarine over there in the UK. You can send us a tweet at LiveHappy. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash LiveHappy. Or you can send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. And who knows, we might even read the good ones right here on the podcast. Again, we appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate Dean Carnesis for joining us as well. For everyone at Live Happy Magazine and the Live Happy Now podcast, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.